Good afternoon, sports world. What is happening? Chris Dell here from Go Baller FFS, here to bring you our new Go Baller FFS Fast Break Fridays podcast, doing some all things NBA, some flashbacks, some fast forwards, some rants, some rumblings, rumors, and more. Sitting here with my humble co-host slash father, a.k.a. the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and jumping into a special segment here, looking back on some all-time great NBA moments and relating them to the current times. And how about the viral bug that has spread throughout our world recently these days, and that is the flu, the flu bug. I hope you guys are all doing well and gals out there this weekend, staying healthy, staying well. And we're looking back on one of the greatest, most memorable NBA games of all time, and that is the infamous flu game from Michael Jordan. If you're not familiar with it, Game 5 of the 1997 NBA Finals, June 11th, 1997. And Mr. Allen Dell, just wanted to bring it back to you. What memories do you have most? That's one of Michael Jordan's most memorable games or moments of, of his illustrious career as being one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Bulls won that game, took a 3-2 lead on the Jazz, wound up winning the next game, winning yet another title for MJ. I believe that was his fifth at the time. What are your uh, you know biggest moments or memories from that game in particular? What do you recall from it? It just shows what a great competitor that he is or was. Uh, it was a very emotional game, and they kept bringing it up about the flu bug. I'm sure other guys have played when they're sick. To some of them, you can get the adrenaline going sometimes in a big game, big athletic event. Uh, but it was a memorable one. It was very emotional, and uh, he put on an incredible performance. I remember when I was I was nine years old at the time, just had turned nine recently, about ten days uh, before that game. And I remember being a Jazz fan at the time, just in that series, because I always try to root for the underdog when it's not my team, you know, competing against each other, not one of my teams there. But it's interesting you look back and everyone calls it the flu game. People should call it the food bug game because according to reports and Michael Jordan's trainer a few years later said that they ordered a pizza the night before. Five guys came and delivered the pizza, and the trainer thought it was a little fishy. That, that's according to the Chicago Sun-Times, Tim Grover, Michael Jordan's former trainer. So basically the next morning, Michael Jordan's wrapped up in blankets with a, th- with a thermostat cranked all the way up, still manages to come out and play one of the best games of his finals career. Just looking back at the box score, 38 points altogether, seven rebounds. Five assists, three steals, throwing a block, a clutch three-point basket in the final minutes of that game to push the Bulls to victory. I mean, the, the Bulls came out maybe a little sluggish in that game, just like Mike was, down 16 in the first quarter. But, uh, you know, fear not because the greatest of all time came back and led them to a victory. And, and just overall, I think, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's quote at the end of the game summed it up is, quote-unquote, it's all about desire. And I think that that's one of those memorable moments, I think, that makes Michael Jordan, Many most people say that he's the greatest of all time, no matter what happens. You add the fact that he was 6-0 and in the NBA Finals, the fact that he has that flu game moment, he has that crossover over Byron Russell moment, I believe it was in the next year, winning yet his sixth championship overall. So it's just, uh, it's just an interesting game to look back on and just wonder how did Michael Jordan do it and, you know, the, the Jazz had some very talented players on that team. Carl Malone, John Stockton, uh, you know, just just a just an, a, a vintage Michael Jordan game. Maybe not in his uh, the athletic prime of his career at that time, or yet his scoring prime, but maybe just his winning prime altogether as a player. Did, is, is there any other games? You, you mentioned a Knicks game that, 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 that yeah, rivaled well, up the, to that. Uh, the, to me, the most emotional game, and you talk to New York fans about it, was the 1970 NBA World Championship 
final game of the seven-game series when Willis Reed, their great center leading scorer, was injured. He had a thigh injury, could barely walk. He got out, nobody expected him even to suit up. He suited up and got on the floor. If you watched him run the floor, he couldn't even bend his leg. And uh, he made his first two shots, the only shots uh, he made all game. He played defense on Will Chamberlain, limiting him to two out of nine. But it was so emotional, it just carried the Knicks to their championship. Walt Clyde Frazier took over after Reed left uh, with about three minutes left in the first half. He never came back, but Frazier finished with 36 points, 19 assists. As the Knicks won their first championship of the NBA, and it was, it was something that you'll never forget. Howard Cosell, the great uh, broadcaster, made a point uh, telling Reed here that you exemplify the very best the human spirit can offer. The, the glory days for the Knicks, take, taking it back a little further, Mr. Allen Bell, the godfather, and just wrapping up, we're going to be jumping in to some more NBA content coming up here soon. So continuing to reminisce a little bit here on our Go Baller FFS Fast Break Fridays podcast, doing a little flashback Friday, hashtag, hashtag, and we were talking about the infamous flu game, game five of the 1997 NBA Finals, and Mr. Allen Dell bringing up your most memorable NBA game, talking about the New York Knicks winning their first championship, and some interesting tidbits that, uh, things let's just say that might not happen again these days, you know, looking forward to 2017 and 18 here. Yeah, the uh, 1970 NBA Finals were the first to be nationally televised in full with ABC providing the coverage. However, that particular night, Game 7, they blacked out New York City, Manhattan. The fans were going crazy. Uh, ABC Switchboard was devolved, diluted, just swamped with angry phone calls from fans. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to show the game 11.30 that night. I I was fortunate I was in New Jersey at the time. So I was able to see uh, the whole game. But that shows you how far the NBA has come. Imagine that NBA final game, Will Chamberlain, Jerry West versus Willis Reed, Clive Frazier, Dave DeBusher, and it was not it was blocked out in New York City. You can imagine the outrage. Now the Knicks would do anything to get into a, just even the playoffs. Even the fans, they'd be willing to take a blackout if they could actually. Oh, I was going to say, they're going to start blacking out games now that Porzingis well, isn't out there. Well, tri- the Triple H, uh, Hornacek House of Horrors, it, it, it's, it's a show in itself. It's so bad. Well, just just sticking here but, to, to some to some NBA memories before we jump into some current NBA musings and whatnot. You're talking about 1977. That's also 70. An, 1970. Well, sticking to the 70s, I'm going to bring it to 1977 here because we're talking about all-star weekend coming up in the nba this weekend all the hoopla you mentioned one of your fa- most favorite all-star moments in nba history which was watching pistol pete and julius irving aka dr j play together in both the 1979 1977 and 1979 all-star games i, I mean uh, talk about what you remember about watching two of your most favorite players of all time you well, know, I, I take remember the two together. great passes by pistol pete to dr j one uh where Dr. J was cutting under the basket, a uh, pistol threw him a no-look pass. Dr. J caught it and then put a reverse layup uh, with his back to the basket in, and there was another play that was similar to that where uh, I think Pistol Pete, if I remember, threw a pass between the legs of a defender, and uh, Dr. J caught it and put another acrobatic circus shot up. So that, that was a great memory. Uh, pistol Pete, maybe the greatest 
playmaking guard of all time. And, and when Pistol Pete Maravich played for the Atlanta Hawks during that time, the Hawks had illegally signed Dr. J. Julius Irving to their team and were actually potentially going to be sued and had to give his rights back to the to the Nets and the ABA. So there's a lot of legal, legal implications going, going on at the time. But just, you know, arguably one of the greatest passers of all time, one of the greatest dunkers oh, and athletes of all time. They're both probably two of the biggest showmans of all time, maybe the two biggest ones. And the fact that they were able to take the court together, I, I wish I would have seen that. Let's just say that, that I wasn't born 10 years after that fact. Do- Dr. J in those two NBA All-Star games, 30 points in 1977, 29 points in 1979, both game highs for both of those years, even though the Eastern Conference and that duo lost both of those games. The Western Conference beat the Eastern Conference in 1979. The score was 134 to 129. In 1977, it was 125 to 124. I'm just going to go on the limb and say that those scores are going to be higher this weekend when the East plays the West. Or, or let me just say it's team when Team Curry plays Team LeBron. Hopefully there's some defense going on in this game. My boy Jimmy Butler was talking about that at the end of the game last night. The Timberwolves beating the LA, LA Lakers. And uh, just just overall, you know, some interesting stuff to kind of look back and reminisce on, man. I, I don't know if we're ever going to get some of those infamous dunk contests from what Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Julius Irving. Is, is there anything you remember from any of those days watching well, those guys? The thing about those days is the, is the players played to win the game. They didn't worry about they were going to get hurt. And you, I haven't seen that in 10 years in the NBA. If, if this new format's going to change the way they play, well, that would be great. I, I don't know if it's going to happen because everybody's worried about getting hurt. So. But that's what I remember about the NBA. The players really took pride, East versus West. And uh, they had different players then. You know, they really wanted to win. So Style was different too, right? You had just tougher, more defensive-minded guys overall in the league, right? Yeah. Not just guys jacking up threes. I'm going to say if they at least take it to the hole and let's see some crazy dunks, some alley-oops, some windmills, all that good stuff, instead of just jacking up three-point shots. Yeah, so. that's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting tired of basketball. I, just the jacking up three-point shots, it's ruined. I mean, to me, the most beautiful play in the NBA, any game is driving through defenders, dishing off. That, that's, that's beauty of basketball. The pistol. Welcome back here, Sports World, to Go Baller FFS. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. You can find me at M-A-D-D Journalist on social media. You can find my co-host slash father, a.k.a. the Godfather, on Twitter. That's at A-Dell Sports, A-D-E-L-L Sports. And just reminiscing on some good old NBA days, talking about your Knicks and our State of the Knicks weekly segment with the Godfather here and, uh, man, talking about some good old days, it's hard to believe that the Knicks had, had as good a time as what you were talking about. You had some un- on some other interesting stats to throw in there, Mr. Allendale. Yeah, because just prior to that, the, uh, the Jets won the uh, Super Bowl in 69, and then the Mets took the World Series later that fall, and who knows, and then a year later, uh, or less, excuse me, less than a year later, uh, the Knicks win the championship. So that was... What a time to be alive, man. That was a great uh, New York... Uh, moment if you say that and uh, Willis Reed was a hero even though his stat line was rather pedestrian I you know he scored uh, four points or five points had about four rebounds didn't play that much but the inspiration he provided was uh, was unbelievable two baskets and five shots three rebounds four fouls but he was he 
provided the impetus for the Knicks, and Frazier took it from there. Well, so that's sometimes that's all you need is that little extra mental edge, right? Yeah. I mean, just just people knowing that Jordan had the flu or was sick in that game, maybe that was enough to get his teammates up enough to win that game, and and, and not so much about the guy himself, even though Jordan had a great game in, in, in that performance there, but... You know, Willis Reed, or you mentioned, well, well, if you remember recently, Paul Pierce was he uh, carried off on a stretcher or a wheelchair, uh, carried off on a wheelchair in that NBA Finals game, comes back in the second half against the Lakers. So I, I think you see that that inspiration definitely holds true in that sense. And just keeping on the Knicks here and, and fast forwarding to current time, 2017-18 season, we got the All-Star break coming up. Uh, is it tanking season for the New York Knicks? Or what's what's going on at Hornacek's House of Hell? House of Horrors, Triple H. <laughs> I mean, the Knicks don't have to tank. They're just bad. I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, it's not just Przingis' injury that's got you upset. It's the whole organization going, going at the GM, Scott Perry. You wonder why the Knicks gave up a draft choice for Perry. They signed him to a long-term deal. If you look at Perry's history, he's basically mediocre GM. He made some good deals, and he made some pretty bad deals. And without going into detail, he's not a guy that's highly coveted. So I, I Steve Mills hired him. I don't know if Steve Mills knows what he's doing. Well, I'm a lifetime Orlando Magic fan, and the fact that this guy couldn't even be the, the real GM in Orlando, I mean, that's pretty bad because they haven't had many good ones in recent memory. Yeah, uh, he was part of that uh, Oladu. Oladipo deal. So. Getting rid of Oladipo for an aging Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo in that trade. One of the worst magic trades in franchise history. Maybe the worst overall. Um, Hornacek getting fired. Uh, free agent signings. Uh, you know, G League upgrades. I mean, what what do the Knicks have to do to bring uh, some they, joy to fans' hearts this season? Uh, I mean, they brought in Moutier, who's really been one of the most biggest disappointments in the NBA and he's there what's he gonna do I don't know Neil Aquina he takes time away from him I hope finally Jared Jack thank you Jared good year for you I hope he doesn't play anymore after the all-star break he shouldn't be playing more than five or ten minutes they got to think of their future they got to play the guards let Neil Aquino play 30 minutes 25 at least a game the rest of the way they're not going any place see see what's there uh, I don't know what's there with Moutier. He's a horrible shooter. His stats prove it. I mean, the, the, the Hardaway deal, Hardaway has proven to be inconsistent. And if you look at his stats, that's his whole career. Is he a two guard that can, or, or a small forward? 32 points in the first half the other night, huh? Uh, but and... he's, so, he's so inconsistent. If you look at his outside shot, it's got such an incredible arc on it. I mean, the, the odds on it going in, and that's why he's shooting so bad from three. Yeah, he gets hot every once in a while, but he, he, he was shooting about 31, 32% on three pointers. You can't have that from, from a guy that you expect to be your number two scorer. Uh, I mean, and they paid him a lot of money coming yeah, in with that deal. Yeah, four-year deal, $70 million and change. So, and, Summer of spending for the NBA, huh? Uh, well, the Knicks just throw money around like it's, you know, Jim Dolan, I guess, doesn't care. So, Well, yeah. let's at least end this segment on a positive note. And congratulations, the unicorn, Kristaps Porzingis, is now officially out of the hospital. Must be feeling a little good about that, huh? Yeah, well, we'll see. It's going to be 10 to 12 months till he's back. So maybe mid-season he returns next oh, year, yeah. huh? Maybe January. Maybe they decide to keep him out. Well, just give him another year because they're not going to go anyplace next year, so. All right, we are back here with another segment on our Go Baller FFS Fast Break Fridays podcast. Fast forwarding here to NBA All-Star Weekend, talking about our rants 
rumors in the NBA and all types of rumblings in basketball. And we talked a little bit of All-Star Weekend, talked a little bit of Knicks in our State of the Knicks segment with Mr. Allen Dell, the Godfather. And moving on to some more positive things and winning things in the NBA and now we're going to be starting getting in the, in the thick of the playoff race. We talked about teams tanking, or at least the Knicks tanking, in the last segment. Um, you know, we're going to start getting into the MVP discussion, start getting into award season and whatnot. We're going to be doing our own special Go Baller FFS NBA award show here on Anchor and on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. So make sure we're going to be posting some links. Make sure to tune in, get more info on that in the coming week. Uh, but Mr. Allen Dell. Looking forward to this weekend and moving forward, you, you had a couple interesting tidbits on uh, maybe one team that could be a new contender for the uh, championship race, and that's what, the Houston Rockets. Well, the Houston Rockets are in first place at the All-Star break. Uh, what, a, what a more an interesting stat is they're 28-1 when they have Harden, Chris Paul, and Capella on the floor at the same time. Uh, that, that, the, the, uh, that's pretty State, damn good. Yeah, Golden State looks like they're bored. They got a little few internal problems. Can they rebound? Uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, what I like about uh, you, you always talk about Golden State's three-point shooting, but uh, the Rockets have uh, three players shooting better. Excuse me, four players shooting better than 38% on, on three-pointers. Uh, James Harden, Trevor Ariza at 38 plus, and Chris Paul at 39.7. So they got some, and you got throwing Eric Gordon too. Yeah, I mean, and uh, not forget they they have one of the. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a stretch to say it now, but he has been in the past one of the top front court scorers in the league, or at least shooters in the front court. Ryan Anderson. Yeah. Not even getting that many shots up, and now they bring in Joe Johnson. You think the veterans going to increase their chances at all to win a title this year? Mind, depends on what kind of shape he's in, what kind of role he gets. Uh, he, that's that's a good team. It's the thing with uh, Mike D'Antoni has always been his his teams don't play defense in the playoffs, so. That remains to be seen. Well, we're talking about the, the roster overall, and, and Chris Paul making a huge impact overall on this team. 19.2 points per game, 8.3 assists per game, 5.7 rebounds per game. How, how is a guy like Chris Paul the second leading rebounder on a team like that, tied with P.J. Tucker, who's also been a really good addition to that team? And, and you mentioned Clint Capella being part of the, the, the main three rotation that's 20, 28-1 when him, Chris Paul, and James Harden are in the lineup. I mean, that, that like I said, that's pretty damn impressive. And you look at the fact that they've brought in personnel-wise defensive guys to add to these offensive guys. So a guy like Clint Capella, who's all defense and rebounding, all guts, no glory. Talking about a guy like Trevor Ariza. He's been known as one of the best defenders in the NBA for quite a long time now. And then Luke Mabamute, you got P.J. Tucker. So they got some defensive-minded guys on that team. Just imagine if they still had Patrick Beverly on their roster. That, that would just be another guy to throw at him. But the Rockets, winners of 10 in a row now, have officially overtaken the Golden State Warriors. First place overall in the Western Conference. Best record overall in the NBA. Uh, the only other team on, on a bigger hot, hot streak than them is the Utah Jazz sitting at 11 straight wins now. Yeah, that's my coach of the year, Quinn Snyder. I like what he's got. He's done an unbelievable job. We'll see what happens. If they make the playoffs. But if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be hard to give a guy coach of the well, year. Well, I, I think they will make the playoffs. I like their, their – and don't forget, they've been on this winning streak um, more than – almost half of it without Ricky Rubio, their point guard. Yeah, that's a good point there. And the, uh, looking at the Western Conference standings, staying on that, is that the Denver Nuggets have won three games in a row. They're looking pretty damn good. Jamal Murray, second-year point guard, is emerging as, as a real threat this year. And, and Jokic, too. Without Paul Millsap. 
without Paul Millsap. So just imagine when the Nuggets and the Jazz, you didn't think you'd be talking about those two teams this time of year as being potential threats, I think, to to cause some upsets. You mentioned how good the Rockets are. I still think the Rockets are a vulnerable team because James Harden hasn't proven to win in tough playoff moments. So that's what it's all about. Let's see if Chris Paul can be the Robin to his Batman, or maybe James Harden is the Robin to Chris Paul's Batman yeah, when well, you're looking at that. Unfortunately, Chris Paul's been hurt. It seems like he gets hurt every year at playoff time, so you don't know what's going to happen there. But Harden, they talk about players not having playoff experience. Harden's got a lot of it, but he hasn't ever done anything in the playoffs. He's been a huge disappointment. If you if you couldn't take the Rockets or the Warriors, what other team in the West do you think has the best chance to win it this year? We talk, Timberwolves, Spurs, Thunder, Nuggets, Jazz. Well, if the Spurs get healthy, they might have a shot if Kawhi comes back, but that doesn't look too good. I miss miss me some Kawhi Leonard, let's just say that. I hope he comes back sometime in the near future. So sticking here with the Western Conference on our Go Baller FFS Fast Break Fridays podcast, I'm your host Chris Dell, sitting here with Mr. Alan Dell, the godfather. You mentioned the Minnesota Timberwolves as maybe having the the third best chance in the Western Conference overall? Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns? How about Jimmy Butler, man? I'll I'll, I'll raise you one right there. I think has earned his way into the MVP talk. Absolutely. I I agree with that 100%. I mean, that's pretty much my biggest NBA rant of the week is the fact. But I don't don't think he's going to be in the discussion because you talk about, uh, you know, types of showman type of guys. We were talking about Pete Maravich and Dr. J a few segments earlier. Jimmy Butler is the ultimate anti-showman. The, the guy doesn't care about scoring points and filling up the stat sheet. He just wins and plays defense. And so this guy is averaging 22.4 points per game, leading the Timberwolves in scoring. And since he came to that team, I know they've had a few other additions, Jeff Teague, Taj Gibson, Jamal Crawford, et cetera, et cetera. But Jimmy Butler's been the difference maker, not just on the court, but off the court, setting the kind of culture and mentality that it takes to win basketball games. And him and Thibodeau are the ultimate combo, I think, in, in that sense. Two guys that are all guts, no glory, all defensive-minded, because at the end of the day, defense usually does win championships, even in these days when the Warriors have won their finals. They've played very well on defense. When the Cavaliers won their finals, they at moments played very well on the defensive end. Jimmy Butler also averaging five and a half rebounds a game, five assists per game, almost two steals a game, half a block per game. I mean, this guy is just getting it done in all facets of the game and on the floor. And I think if he's not in the MVP discussion following the All-Star break with 25, 30 games left in the season, it's going to be it's going to be a shame. He needs to be in there. You tell me who else deserves it more than him, LeBron James and James Harden at this point. Well, it's hard to make. This is what I worry about Jimmy Butler and it's not necessary this year, but uh Tom Thibodeau has a reputation of playing his players into the ground. Butler leads the league in minutes played. There's a lot of people that feel he he destroyed or prematurely destroyed the careers of Derrick Rose and Joaquin Noah because he played him so many minutes and they their careers ended early. Yeah. For all the tests of birth. I, I don't want to see that happen to Jimmy Butler, but again, you look at uh Thibodeau, he's playing these guys more than thirty minutes a game, yeah. as I said. So yeah. you gotta worry about that. Uh, how long I don't know why yeah. he does that. Yeah, he need, he needs to really look at that, man. That is that's just not smart and, and you gotta stop being stubborn at yeah, a at a certain absolutely. point. I mean look 
37.3 minutes per game. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Wiggins, both averaging over 35 minutes a game. Teague's at 33. Todd Gibson's kind of getting up there as a veteran. He's averaging 33.6 minutes a game. And once you get past their starting five, the next highest guy is at 19 minutes. Yeah, that, that's not good. I don't like it. And I can see why uh, they got to set with him in Chicago. That. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's a really, really valid point and something that's overlooked when you when you look at the breakup with the Chicago Bulls and and him. A lot of people, a lot of people always want to point the finger and blame ownership in that case. But uh, tip, yeah, Thibodeau needs to watch it, man. Like you, you gotta you gotta be smart. And you gotta take a step back and kind of take a deep breath and look at the situation from a different perspective. And um, as as good as Jimmy Butler's playing, I, I think he's the guy that can withstand that those type of minutes, but. You know, so go, for going forward, for now he can't exactly, but once he gets that first, second injury, if uh, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, it's something that could wind up being a main discussion, and, and we talked about injuries in other Western Conference teams, how about the San Antonio Spurs? Uh, let's just assume Kawhi Leonard's not going to come back, this team is still won a ton of games this year, sitting at 35-24, and 24, currently the number three seed in the Western Conference, but they've lost three games in a row, this, the Spurs have, so maybe the, they're another team that, that's, that's ready to get this all-star weekend and a couple days off and a couple days of rest here. Uh, but but I, I just don't see them doing it with LaMarcus Aldridge and pretty much no one else. The one thing about them is, you know, guys like, uh, you know, DeHonte Murray, uh, some younger guys have stepped up, but it, it's mostly still the veterans there. Pal Gasol, Patty Mills, Manu Ginobili having a, an amazing season for a guy, you know, his, his age. Yeah, a guy that's 102 uh, it seems like It seems like Ginobili's gotten better in the last couple of years. He's slowed down his game, and I think his real – played within himself and not trying to play more than he's capable of. And he's a very smart player. One of the smartest players I've ever seen in the last 20-plus years in the NBA, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, How um, many people that can uh, reestablish their career at 100 years old, but he's done it? <laughs> that's right. No, it's standing the test of time like fine wine there, Mr. Mano Ginobili. And I think, uh, I don't know, the Thunder, that's another team to throw in there. They got the star power, but do they have what it takes? Steven Adams is one of the best centers in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You, yeah, you can make a case that Steven Adams is, is the MVP of Oklahoma City. Huh? Yeah, no, he, I think he has been for a while, even, even during the Kevin Durant days. We'll be back with some more basketball talk here. All right, here wrapping up our Go Baller FFS Fast Break Fridays podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dell, sitting here with the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and Mr. AD's rant of the week. I talked about my rant and Jim, Jimmy Butler deserving to be in the MVP discussion. Now we're going to talk about the other dudes on the basketball court. No, not the guys in the jerseys, the guys in the zebra stripes and gals, let's say that, this season, the NBA referees. And I'm just going to throw this question at you, Mr. Alan Dell. Are referees ruining the game of basketball i don't know if they're ruining the game i would say the relationship between the players and the refs at least on the surface now seem the worst that they've ever been and some of the technicals uh or high profile technicals i mean lebron never got ejected excuse me the ejection he's never been ejected from a game until this season and most recently that brouhaha between Rajon Rondo and Isaiah Thomas that resulted in both getting ejected. Uh, there's a lot of sentiment out there that that those uh, technicals are going to be resented. That 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 was an overreaction by the official. So it seems like there it's getting a lot of publicity now between the refs and the players. I think the refs need to calm down a little bit on the ejections. Uh, they they have, they do have one technical foul to give. Second one and you're gone. So. It seems like, to me, it, it's just the players. I mean, you have guys that, like, Kevin Durant has gone off the deep end. He, he was a, 
the nice little guy with the backpack, and he kissed his mom every day, and now he's ranting, raving. I don't know what's got into him. I don't know what he must be eating nails for breakfast or something like that. Well, he's the second coming to Draymond Green now. Maybe, maybe. The, the, the two leaders in ejections on the season. Kevin Durant leads the NBA. That's the official stat, Sports World. Kevin Durant leads the NBA with four ejections. Draymond Green second in the NBA with three ejections. So the top two guys in ejections coming from the Golden State Warriors trying to go for their third straight championship. Is that is that a, a team bias, or are these two guys just need to tone it down? Like, know, what what's, the, what gives? Man with Golden State, I mean, the, the worst thing I've seen this year, in December 3rd, there was a head buddy between ref Courtney Kirkland and Warriors Sean Livingston. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then Kirkland was removed from the from the referee's rotation for a week, and, and Livingston was suspended for one game. So, so they're both around. I don't think a ref needs to get involved in a headbutt or something like that. But when a guy comes up to you and puts his whole body in your face and you just lean forward a little bit, it's obvious that the ref got way more punishment in that situation than the player got, right? Yeah. But I understand how you know you give the players a little more leeway of getting emotional during the games. One thing, I, I don't like the Warriors and the culture they're, they're bringing to the NBA. I, I like the fact they play team basketball. Okay, that, that's, that's what I like about the Warriors. When you start looking past those things, I don't know if you call it getting tired or getting lazy or complacent, whatever you want to call it, but the fact that they're leading the league in technical fouls and uh, Kevin Durant 11 texts on the season Draymond Green 14 texts which leads the NBA on the season you see Steph Curry he's coming to he, he's become a little bit of a whiner these days throwing his mouth guard you know in the referee and get you know getting ejected in the past I don't I don't like to see that I think it sets a bad example for the kids and the youth that watch basketball not to get too cliche on it but I mean, overall, you mentioned technical fouls are down on average going back from last season, and there's supposed to be a big meeting this weekend, All-Star weekend, between uh, the Players Association and the refs. Do you think anything is going to come out of that? Or? It depends what the attitude is of the players. Uh, the, the Players Association, she's been complaining about some of the officiating, and that's not going to do anybody any good. This is something they should need to resolve. I don't know, back in the 70s and 80s, I don't remember that much complaining there was complaining but the refs this is basically a new crew of referees are different uh they're they're shorter with their trigger maybe it's part of the social media era we're in now people are just ran and raving all the time uh, well I, I think what the what i've seen is that pl players have become extreme whiners and complainers in these games the guys will completely give up on a defensive play just to spend time bitching and moaning at the referees and you know what? I, I think it's gotten overboard, and the fact that they're finally calling these guys out on their bluffs and saying, hey, I'm either going to tee you up or I'm going to give you two tees and throw you out of the game. I, I'm, I hope that it lessens the amount of whining and complaining in these games. As, as you know, if your head's not in it, you know, your head's not in the game if you're sitting there spending your energy and your time complaining to the yeah, referees. Yeah, but the worst thing I've seen, and I've seen a couple of players do it, and the guy drives in for a layup or whatever, and he gets, he feels he gets fouled. He doesn't get the call. Everybody's uh, heading down court the other way, and he's standing there arguing with the referee, and his team is uh, down 5-4 to four on players. So well, let's, I've seen that. That's terrible. Let's see if any change comes this week. Sports World, thank you for tuning in to Go Baller FFS and our Fast Break Fridays podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist, and just wanted to bring to your attention a special show that we're going to be doing in a couple months here. At the end of the regular season, we'll be hosting our Go Baller FFS NBA Awards with myself and with the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and we want you to be involved as well. We're going to be putting up some polls on social media. We're going to be sending out some links so people can vote 
on our special awards that we'll be giving out. No, we're not going to be doing typical MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and all that jazz. We're going to be doing some custom NBA awards that the NBA themselves are afraid to give out. We're going to make it a little fun. We're going to spice things up a little bit, and we want you to be a part of it. So call in now. Let us know what are your picks for the awards at the end of the season. But more importantly, we're going to send out some links and let you vote on our special Go Baller FFS awards. We appreciate you tuning in and giving us your ear as always. Have a great NBA All-Star weekend and a very happy Friday sports world. See you next time. Peace out.